0: Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome back to episode 369 of Sexology podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin. Moali. Today we're opening up a crucial conversation on a topic that affects many, but is often hasn't been talked about enough: pelvic floor health and its impact on sexual health and intimacy. I get a lot of questions, especially from men, about the pelvic floor health, the exercises. What can you do to strengthen it? Its connection with rectal unpredictability. So I wanted to create an episode that we're answering all of your questions about pelvic floor health. With us is the esteemed Dr. Stephanie Bathrest, an acclaimed clinical sexologist and relationship therapist. Dr. Bathrest combines holistic and traditional therapies to energize relationship and address barriers and in intimacy. She's been recognized with multiple awards of excellence and is familiar expert on networks like CNN, MSNBC, and many more. If you are looking to deepen your connection with your partner or yourself, check out her content on her website. She offers immersive couple retreat and different types of programs. In today's episode, we delve into the specifics of pelvic floor health. We'll discuss it's importance for sexual well-being, the connection to prostate health, and how it influences relationships. Dr. Patrers will also share insights on reconditioning techniques and when to seek professional help. Now, let's take a moment for a special announcement. If you're struggling with erectile unpredictability and it's affecting your confidence both in and outside the bedroom, I'm launching a limited time program. It's called Optimal Performance. It's an online course it includes my best tips and strategies to help you to manage your erectile unpredictability, improve your performance in the bedroom, also will teach you how to please your partner. This is a limited time card opening. We only opening the cards for five days, so Monday through Friday. And the reason is this is a founding member card opening, meaning that this is the lowest price we're offering it, because it's a new program and we want to hear your thoughts and opinions about different aspects of it. What do you want more of? And we included so many great bonuses. So if you are curious about the course, the card is open now, I guess, for four more days. But Make sure that you are checking it out now and claiming your spot before someone else does. All the information is in show notes, and thank you so much for tuning in, and I'm so excited to share this conversation. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Stephanie Batras. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Sexology podcast. I am very excited and honored to introduce Dr. Stephanie Bathurst to our show. Stephanie, welcome to our show.
1: Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. I really appreciate it, Dr. Moali.
0: <laughs> Please call me Nas. And it's it's lovely to have you on this show, I I meant to have someone talking to us about the pelvic floor health because I feel there's just so many misinformation out there. Sometimes people know that they have to do keto exercises. Some people think it's not necessary. We hear all sorts of things that can impact people's quality of sexual health. So can you explain to our listener what is a pelvic floor and why is it important for men and
1: women? Absolutely. yeah, And I'm, I'm glad that we're talking about this today because it's it definitely needs a lot more education out there. The pelvic floor is a group of muscles and ligaments that support reproductive organs and openings. So this would include things like the bladder, bowels for women, vagina and uterus. And starting from our mid 20s to late 20s, our collagen production declines every year and our bodies really struggle to regenerate cells to remain optimally healthy. And this deeply impacts our bodily processes, which includes our pelvic floor function. So as long as we're aging past mid-20s, pelvic health is definitely an issue for everyone.
0: Such an important thing to know that aging can impact it, right? Because I hear that if you have an injury or you had like children for vulva owners, that can impact your pelvic floor. But what I'm hearing is like it's kind of natural process of aging for people to lose the toning of it. Is that am I am I hearing that correctly?
1: Yeah. So aging is one of the variables
0: that impacts
1: pelvic floor stability. And then there there are other things that we'll talk about, I'm sure in a little bit, like like trauma. And of course, childbirth is a trauma or really just any kind of intense chronic pressure. So whether that's from constipation or if that's from a really weak core activation. So you're bending down and picking up heavy things, sometimes a child, sometimes like a, a big bag. And if you're not activating the correct muscles. You can injure your spine because our, prote- our pelvic floor protects our spine and it does so much. It's responsible for optimal sexual functioning, strength of orgasms, going to the bathroom regularly, transitioning from a seated to a standing position and stabilizing and protecting your spine from damage, right? As well as growing and birthing children. So it's it's it kind of does it all.
0: Sounds like very essential, and I know that people sometimes think about okay, if I want to improve intensity of my orgasms, that's that's one way of kind of like strengthening my kind of my vagina and the pelvic floor kind of like muscles. But I also hear that when people have issues with kind of like whether as you mentioned through trauma or through other kind of problems, it can impact their sexual functioning. What are some of the common sexual challenges people experience if they have issues with their pelvic floor? Yeah, so weaknesses
1: in the pelvic floor can, so the causes we we talked a little bit about, right? Obesity included in those, you know, the constipation, the pushing too hard, incontinence for a long period of time, physical injury to the pelvis from surgery or trauma and then really any kind of prolonged pelvic pain. And there's so many medical conditions that impact that, like IBS or Peyronie's disease in men or endometriosis and pelvic inflammatory disease in women. So for any of those reasons that may negatively impact or weaken the tone of your pelvic floor, the symptoms that may manifest are recurring low back pain if we're over functioning or overcompensating with those muscles, erectile dysfunctions like premature or painful ejaculation or the inability to sustain an erection for the full duration of your experience, disruptions in the flow of urine, leakage or incontinence issues, feeling a, cro- a chronic urgency to go to the bathroom without the presence of like a UTI, and then just recurring pelvic pain, like deep pain pressure that's pretty consistent and impacts your quality of life.
0: You mentioned Peyronie. I always have issues with pronouncing. How do you pronounce it? Peyronie's. Peyronie's. Is how I it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I never can pronounce Peyronie's. For our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about what does that mean? Yeah. So Peyronie's disease is a,
1: it's a, a, a it's a tissue impact on, you know, the tissue within the penis, right? So it creates a scar tissue that forms curvature of the penis and becomes really rigid and hard. And that can be very, very painful for a lot of men experiencing this disorder. So the pelvic pain that this particular disease creates increases pelvic floor dysfunction.
0: And I hear that few, a few of my clients just struggle with it. But until they go to a urologist, they don't even know that's an issue, right, that can impact them
1: long term. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that we're wanting to spread awareness and really advocate and empower our clients to bring up in those conversations with their medical doctors, because I think it really is underreported and underattended to.
0: Absolutely. So one of the other issues that many men older than 30 is this might struggle with is a prostate health. And I hear that the training of pelvic floor can help with that, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. For men in their 40s to 60s, in
1: particular, strengthening your pelvic floor there there's a lot of science and research that connect stress incontinence in men after their prostate surgery to be alleviated or resolved through strengthening exercises or fitness of the pelvic floor muscles. So there is like a there's a direct relationship between prostate health and recovery from prostate surgery. And some of these pelvic floor exercises, especially when we're talking about benign prostatic hypertrophy, which is like chronic prostatitis, right? We we start to see urination be impacted, right? There's There's a lot of difficulty going to the bathroom because of this enlarged prostate. And the stronger the muscles of your pelvic floor are, the easier it is to empty your bladder or empty your bowels even if you have an enlarged prostate. So this is something that can significantly impact and relieve some of those nasty side effects of chronic prostatitis. I think the statistic is about 70% of men with CP or chronic pelvic pain syndrome really struggle to relax their pelvic floor after each contraction, which we know because orgasms and sustainability of physiological arousal is really all musculature based, right? It's it's the pulsing of those muscles. So for 70% of men with chronic prostatitis to have that kind of activated contraction and inability to release afterwards is going to disrupt your ability to go to the bathroom it's going to disrupt your ability to maintain healthy sexual functioning it impacts you in life in in many different ways and so there's you, you can always see a pelvic floor physical therapist i encourage you to see a a pilates instructor who's certified just to kind of build in that personalized treatment plan in addition to some of the lifestyle recommendations for those presentations
0: we often hear when it comes to pelvic floor, the Kegel exercises that like some people say, like, I have to do, you have to do it on a daily basis. Some people talk about it unless you have issues with holding your urination. It's not necessary. How is, is, is that something that it's essential for people to practice or you, you need to have a diagnosis before practicing Kegel? Kegels are, <laughs> Kegels
1: are a little bit controversial predominantly because Studies show that up to 50% of the population is doing them incorrectly. And there are disorders where dystonia presents in the opposite extreme. So rather than pelvic floor weakness, which is what we're talking about today, it can be hyperactivation and cause disorders like vulvodynia or which is like a constant contraction and painful, painful pelvis with an inability to penetrate anything. Right. And that, that occurs in men too. So. For 50% of the population, if you're doing it incorrectly, there is a chance that you're swinging the opposite end of the spectrum and can worsen some up your symptoms. There's also some research coming out talking about the confusion of neural pathways. If we are, if we're seated, right in a seated position, and we're activating like those kegel muscles. But we're not activating any of the other synergistic muscle groups in our body. It confuses some of the communication in like optimal muscle functioning, right? It's it's abnormal for our bodies to isolate one or two muscles without all of the other supportive muscles kind of aligning with it, right? So that's that's kind of the problem with Kegels. We are starting to see the shift in toward more core activation and. Pilates or yoga poses. And when you, what we're finding is that when you do these activities, which could be like bridging or planks or really just any kind of plyometrics that, that increase activity in the pelvic floor, you're, you can combine that with a percussive breath, right? The like expressive breath that helps you activate your core muscles, pulling your belly button in. And it is operating on that synergistic mechanism of full body activation.
0: That is such an important information to have because like historically, we hear people say, oh, when you're working, you can do your kegel exercises or when you are kind of like at a party or like when you have a moment. What I'm hearing that it's not necessarily the best way of practicing it. If you're focusing on toning your pelvic floor through exercises, seems like that's a better better approach. Also, I know that there is a galaxy of options and tools for people to practice it with different, either toys or sex tech material or even toning tools. What's your thoughts on those? Yeah. I, so the purpose is biofeedback, right?
1: For us to enhance our awareness of what our body is communicating to us and to be able to activate the right set of muscles when we are wanting to or deactivate if they're, if they're hypertensive, right? So. I think Kegels still do have a place once there's confirmation and and like affirmation that you are doing them correctly, they can be really healthy for you. And for for men, unless you have a pelvic floor physical therapist who can provide like tactile feedback until you, yes, you're activating the right things or no, you're not. Try this. There are two analogies that I find are really helpful in allowing them to kind of like self-evaluate if they're activating the right set of muscles in their pelvic floor. So the first one is to try and mimic the muscles and the sensations that you would feel if you stepped barefoot into a cold riverbank, right? So imagining like what would happen sensationally and somatically in your body if you were to step into an icy river. And then the second one is imagine you're trying to stop the flow of urine mid-flow. Flinching the muscles that would help you stop that flow is exactly the right set of muscles that we're wanting to activate during Kegel's.
0: Well, I I heard about the second one, but that's like the first one also it's such an interesting uh, kind of visualization to help people kind of like think about, am I activating the right muscle? But I also hear that like, you know, some sometimes as we're doing this practice ourselves, there's a level of guesswork <laughs> that might kind of be counterproductive. So for people that they kind of like are curious if the issue is my pelvic floor, is it issue or my... Kind of psychological thing connected to my kind of relationship that impact my erectile functioning, for example. How can people decide what is the cause?
1: Yeah, so I I think going through all of the potential reasons why you may be experiencing it, and there are there there there's a number of comorbid diagnoses or medical conditions that really enhance your risk of having pelvic floor dysfunction. And so when we're seeing things like Organ prolapses of any kind in the reproductive area, recurring hernias, recurring hemorrhoids, all of those, you know, that list of leakage or incontinence issues, erectile dysfunction, just chronic pain. All of these are presentations. These are our body's way of communicating to us that something is wrong, something is not functioning well, and we need to attend to the core issue. And I think that's. That's kind of my reservation with a lot of the erectile dysfunction medications that are out there, at least in the extent that they are prescribed. Because erectile dysfunction is this multifactorial, very complex disorder that can that really is not a disorder in and of itself. It's a symptom of an underlying disorder. So the medications may attend to the symptom in the moment, but it it's not going to resolve if if, you know, it's If ED is present and experienced because of psychological distress, circulation issues, high cholesterol, weakened pelvic floor, doesn't really attend the medication itself, doesn't really attend to the poor issues. And you're going to continue to see these other symptoms, these other side effects secondarily pop up for you, which all impacts quality of life.
0: And intimacy. And you're right, like intimacy and the quality of life, they're all connected. And I wonder that there is an element of like kind of genetic component to it, right? That for people kind of like the toning of pelvic floor. And there is, as they said, like it could be weight gain. It could be all sorts of trauma. So how much improvement can people expect to when they're doing like, whether work with physical therapists or with kind of like with themselves? I know that it is different, like individual based on individual. That is struggling with it, but what are some of the common progress people can see? Yeah, absolutely. So
1: I actually have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which is a connective tissue disorder. And that's, you know, a large part as to why I chose to get certified as a Pilates instructor. When I had my daughter three years ago, it was a pretty high risk pregnancy and the, the rates of prolapse and hip dislocations and hernias, like all of these things that are deeply impactful to your intimacy, your quality of life, your general comfort in the day-to-day are, the the risks are increased with any kind of connective tissue disorder. And that's absolutely present with all of pelvic floor health and stability. So for anybody who is diagnosed with a connective tissue disorder, this this podcast and this information is critically important because it's not really an, an if, it's a when, right? As we continue to age, as we lose collagen and our body continues to like feel the compounded nature of stress and gravity. We will experience these symptoms. We just have to, you know, the health looks like being prepared and doing preventative measures. And we talked about Kegels a little bit ago. Pilates, which is a, it's based off of the principles of biometrics and using Pilates and basic Pilates movements in conjunction with activation and percussive breathing. It is, it resolves 80% of cases within three months in 28 days. The majority of people have 30% improvement in all of their symptoms. And this is something that you can do for 15 minutes a day, three to five days a week at home. It's free, right? After you get trained in how to do it yourself. These are exercises that you can be entirely independent in. And I think that's so, so important because we're seeing like mild bladder prolapses or some of these other more mild side effects or symptoms of pelvic floor weakening be treated with medical surgeries. And those are invasive, right? The rates of success are high, about 90% in resolution, but the rates of relapse are also very high. So to do something that is entirely autonomous, very healthy, no side effects for you and able to be maintained long term because you're not dependent on external sources for that stability. You're creating the stability within yourself. I think is so critically, critically empowering and important. And it really focuses on like exercise, right? Embracing exercise and fitness into your daily routine. And that's not because you want to. Look good. It's because you want to protect your body and give it the love that it needs to continue functioning well.
0: It's fascinating. Although I'm in the world of sex therapy and I work with lots of people with sexual health issues. I knew about Kegel. I knew about physical therapy, but I didn't know about, what does it call it again? Yeah. So it's, it's Pilates. So P,
1: (laughs) yeah, P, F, I, L, A, T, E, S. So like Pilates,
0: Mm -hmm. but it calls Pilates. Yeah, pelvic floor Pilates. Yeah, <laughs> that exactly. is so cool. What does that sessions look like? Is it individualized kind of approaches? What can people expect when they come for the appointment? Yes. So it's definitely individualized because you,
1: as a as an instructor, you need and want to provide significant feedback on what is working and where they're feeling it in their body. And you can't really do have that kind of privatized experience with with a group of people. So we essentially go through a chart of the 10 movements that are scientifically proven in comparison to other exercise positions to activate those core pelvic floor muscles. So we go through each of the 10. We eliminate any that created a pain response because we don't want to condition pain with activation or sex or in any way, right? We want to decondition pain. And then we focus on out of the 10 the ones that are left over that have the most impact for your unique body. And it changes, right? For this program to be effective, which again, 80% of cases fully resolved in three months. For it to be effective, you only need one out of the 10. You might get a little bored doing that same one a couple of days a week every morning, but it's it's going to be deeply effective for you. So these are basic Exercise positions that most people are familiar with, right? Bridges, lunges, fire hydrants, bird dog alternating arms, squats, butterfly, corkscrew. Like these these are things that most people who go to the gym or Pilates or yoga are very familiar with. So I find that you're you're able to get into the positioning very well, but it's it's training your body to activate the right muscles. And that's that's the purpose of the hold, the hold positions in core activation or peak activation. Right, if you're in a bridge, peak activation would be when you're all the way up in that bridge. In conjunction with the percussive breath, that helps you tuck your belly button in and really activate those transverse abdom- abdominis, which are the muscles like the V-shaped muscles around your pant
0: line. That is great. So you get to have beautiful abs, possibly, oh, <laughs> and yes. to be able to have stronger orgasms, which which is also Wonderful. So, for people that they are kind of like, for example, if they struggle with erectile functioning or premature ejaculation due to issues related to pelvic floor, what I am hearing is if they kind of like start practicing this with someone that's trained in it, that can address the issue. Absolutely, yeah. A
1: lot of cases can be resolved this way, and and I think there are so many ways in which pelvic health impacts male sexual functioning. Right. So we've talked, we've talked a bit about erectile function and it's different or dysfunction and it's different presentations, right? The pain or premature ejaculation, the unsustainability of an erection, but the other forms of impact are also like hormone reduction, which we don't talk about as much. If you are waking up five times every single evening because you have to pee frequently you're not getting solid sleep stages that you need for rejuvenation and recovery of your hormones and neurotransmitters. And so we start to see a 15% decrease in testosterone production if you're getting cumulative less than five hours per night, which is very common. It's very frequent when I have men who come into my office and have pretty significant weakened pelvic floor. And then we have like sexual fitness, right? With partner, we talked about a little bit about couples and how intimacy is impacted when your sexual performance is heavily dependent on like stamina, right? If you're feeling fatigued and tired and like physically tired and lack of confidence with what you're doing and how to do certain positions or it becomes painful midway, it's absolutely like, intimacy in a relationship, sexual change in a relationship is absolutely going to be impacted. So I yeah, I think there are so many reasons to engage in some of these non-invasive programs. What's the drawback, right?
0: And I agree with you about the kind of, like I wanted to highlight the non-invasive part of it, right? Because I feel like there's just so many medications that are, whether it's FDA approved or not, that people are taking. Sometimes they see results, sometimes they don't. And it's not building their confidence. But if you know that you are cultivating these skills through exercises, and that's something that you you can strengthen. That can help your confidence, and also, as you said, that it doesn't. You don't know that, like, if what is this mysterious system that they're kind of like providing you through the medication that there's possibly is not FDA approved.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think there's so many. And, and I'm not against medication. I, I just think it should be a last resort or one of the last resorts after we've tried some of the lesser invasive like lifestyle changes, right? You had mentioned prostate health earlier and I, I find that a lot of the lifestyle recommendations to maintain healthy prostate is, all, is synonymous with like maintaining healthy pelvic floor, right? Mm-hmm. So eating fruits and veggies and reducing caffeine and sugar because they, that kind of like imbalanced diet does encourage an enlarged prostate inflammation in the body and weaker pelvic floor. We want to make sure that you're hydrating with water, not soda, but hydrating really well every day. You're maintaining a healthy weight because obesity dramatically increases the rate of all of these complications eliminating tobacco, that we're taking some kind of vitamin D supplementation. I think the studies tell us that about 80% of the population in the U.S. is deficient in vitamin D, which is like a shocking, shocking number because it's so impactful for our mood, right? And then before we get to pharmaceutical medications that tend to have a lot of side effects, We can try things like corn silk or salt palmetto, which are like herbal tinctures that can help reduce inflammatory responses like that of enlarged prostate, chronic prostatitis. So I think there's so many options in addition to the physical exercise routines from a pelvic floor physical therapist or a Pilates instructor that can, that you can do and check off and experience before we get to that
0: route, right, of surgery or medication. I'm still fascinated by the fact that I didn't know about Filates. <laughs> I'm <laughs> glad that you talked about it and you educated me about it. So how can people find Pilates instructors? Is that something that like they have to look for physical therapists that they're training in this? What is the pathway through that? Yeah, so Filates, it's its
1: own, it's its own group, right? It was created by a urologist and a physical therapist co-created by two two of those people who do the active trainings themselves still. And it's a it's a global initiative. So you're able to go on to philates.com and there's a database, a search database to find a provider that's certified near you. You are able to do virtual sessions. I find that in-person sessions are ideal. So if you can find somebody who's not too far away from you, the feedback is more organic. It's just easier for us to tell your positioning rather than just getting a one-dimensional or two-dimensional
0: view of you. So our listeners, I bet that they want to learn more about you and the services you provide. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a
1: board-certified clinical sexologist, relationship therapist, and certified integrative medicine specialist for mental health. And I, as well as a Philadelphia instructor. So I kind of combine a couple different fields to provide a holistic and comprehensive therapy experience or coaching experience for my clients. I have clients across the globe. And we're, so we're located, our home office is located in Oahu, Hawaii. We're up in like the North Shore area. And here on premises, we offer couples retreats as well, focused on intimacy, reconnection, and reignition, resentment, repair. Holistic health for each individual because our systems can only be as healthy as its individual counterparts. And those are super, super fun and fulfilling for me to host. And then online for our, our clients who are a little bit farther away and can't come in person. Hawaii can be far for a lot of people. We do have online programs, one of which is a 90-day online program specifically for resentment repair and reconnection. So, yeah, I mean, we, we offer a whole lot, but I think the overall summary is that for everything we offer, it's an integrated approach of holistic and traditional therapies that are evidence based, which is why we see so much success from our clients.
0: For people who are interested, they can definitely find your website in the show notes. And thank you so much, Stephanie, for coming on the show. And I personally, as I said, I learned a lot and hopefully we can have you on our show in the future. I would love that. Thank you so much for the opportunity. As we close today's episode, let's underscore the critical role pelvic floor health plays in our lives. This isn't just about sexual health. It's about quality of life. A strong pelvic floor can mean the difference between control and discomfort, between confidence and uncertainty. It's essential for both men and women impacting everything from physical stability to sexual satisfaction. Ignoring it, that's not an option if you want to live our fullest lives. And for those of you seeking change, particularly if you're navigating the challenges of erectile dysfunction, erectile unpredictability, it's time to take action optimal performance course that I just shared with you guys is more than just a course. It's your pathway to transformation. With our guidance, you can move past frustration and embrace a future of empowerment and fulfillment. Don't let another moment pass you by in doubt and defeat. Embrace the change you deserve. Visit the link in the show notes to learn more about optimal performance course that we are launching this week again it's only open for 4 days because this is the founding member launch so we we are offering it with the lowest price that we ever offered it so make sure that you are checking it out and if it's a fit for you i hope i'll see you inside the class all right i'll see you next week thanks for listening to sexology podcast